Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today I'm excited to talk to Lambda Literary Award-winning Wallace West. How are you, Wallace? I'm doing well. How are you? And I love that I can have that title now. (laughs) Right? It must be nice to have a Lammy. I love it. Congratulations. Very nice. And you got it for Mighty Red Riding Hood. I did. I love this retelling of Little Red Riding Hood, and I love the fact that the title is Mighty Red. That is so empowering. It really is, and and I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I had a a kick writing it, and I remember when I... um, I sent the the manuscript that I was working on to a friend of mine to read in advance, and uh, it has like some twang to it. If you've read it, you know that. <clears throat> and um, she's uh, uh, an East Coaster, and when she started to give her feedback, I thought she was going to say, "Oh, that Texasy stuff that you're doing is a little much." But she was like, "The Texasy stuff, um, you should push a little further and do a lot more of it." I was like, "All right, <laughs> here we go." Well, and that was something I was going to ask you about, too, because your Southern voice comes through in both of your books. And I love that. I'm Southern. And it's oftentimes I think there's a little scrubbing out or erasing of it. But you've actually embraced that voice. Was that something that was important to you? It was important um, because this was, you know, uh, in part a dedication to the younger version of me who was looking for myself in books. And I grew up in Texas. I grew up in the South. southern grandmother who uh, was a teacher and very into reading and all of that good stuff so it's a grandmother who plays a big part obviously in mighty red um and part of uh really staying authentic to that and being an original was sort of like manipulating (laughs) the idea of what a like a a colloquialism down there would be Mm -hmm. sort of making them sound like they've been around forever and so i had fun making up these um these little colloquialisms that are that work for the book, but aren't really set outside the book. Um, so that was a lot, a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. And then in your second book, Cinda Meets Ella, mm-hmm. and it's a fairly queer tale. I love the subtitle in that. Eight. So give us a little setup about what Cinda and Ella is about. So um, following uh, Mighty Red, which is a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood, of course, um, we're like, what, uh, where can we go next? And what is like a very beloved tale? And we sort of really immediately settled on Cinderella. Um, And I thought, well, how are we going to do this differently? I envisioned a a main character who was sort of the same age as uh, Mighty Red and my editor said, no, we want them to be a little older, um, um, but not a love story, but sort of hinting at those like familiar tropes. So I just sort of um, boiled it down to like, what are people expecting from the Cinderella story? They mm-hmm. want um, someone who's in distress, someone who um, finds their way to an important event and somebody who um, finds true love, however you want to define that. Um, but I kept getting hung up on the true love part. Um, I knew I didn't want Cinderella to be dependent upon um, a fairy godmother. I wanted her to be a little bit more proactive. Um, and I wanted, uh, I, when I was sort of grappling with how I was going to execute this, I was talking to a friend of mine. So friend of mine 
gave me a good advice for Mighty Red. Another friend gave good advice for Cinda <clears throat> Mitzella. So my advice to writers, always ask people for their advice and feedback. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and he said, well, you know, Cinderella is ultimately about her finding a connection with someone. And so there was just something about that word connection. I thought, well, that's all it is. Like, she's going to find a connection with somebody um, and it's not going to be someone who's going to sweep her off her feet. It's going to be someone who she just really has like this compatibility with for whatever reason. Um, and so uh, once I, once I got over that hurdle, the, the manuscript just sort of like flowed out of me and it, it was great. And I had a really good time pulling it together. I love it. And, and in this retelling, we get, um, we get two independent girls um, or mm -hmm. Maybe one of them's non-binary. I was not a hundred percent sure. Ella is non-binary. Non-binary. Okay. Yeah. So what we see is two people who are independent, mm -hmm. and as you say, they come together with a connection, and mm -hmm. they come together to support each other. Which was another important thing I read in the book that it's it's a support. It's it is a love story, but. Mm -hmm a support story. And that's one of the positive things that I took away from the book that I was like, wow, this is great. Excellent. Yeah. It's like, it's uh, sort of, you know, that moment where you, you find your community, maybe you've grown up and you think I'm the only one out here. I only see myself sometimes in movies or I, I pretend that I'm seeing myself in a movie or pretend that I'm seeing myself in a book. So seeing it sort of front and center in film and TV and books now, um, and we certainly do have a lot more work to make, make sure that it's even even more present, but it's it's a lot more prevalent than it used to be. And so, you know, that moment where you're like, oh, I'm not the only one. There is a community out there, even if it's just a community of two of us right now, and we're going to grow and build it from there. Um, so that's sort of where, where we're walking into the life of Cinda, where she's realizing, okay, there's someone else out there um, who I have a connection with, who's sort of like-minded, and and we're going to form this um, community together. I like it. I like it. And Cinda is so in love with her critters, as you call them, her animals. And <laughs> I, I, you know, having grown up on the Beverly Hillbillies, when I got to the word critter, I really did laugh out loud. So. <laughs> it's a very specific word, isn't it? It is. It's, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was one of the things, you know, so Aunt Hildy comes in and she's going to change Cinda and mm -hmm. she dresses her differently and she wants to do something differently and she locks away the animals. And you see Cinda distressed, but not completely destroyed. And that too is another wonderful thing because you gave Cinda power. Yeah, that was something that was really important to me. And, you know, if we if we take Disney, which you know I love a good classic Disney animation, but if we're looking at Cinderella there, it's like, okay, she's letting herself get walked all over. Mm -hmm. She's kind of okay with it <laughs> on a certain level, and the animals are all helping her and fawning over her and making sure she's okay, and she really doesn't have any ownership over her situation. Um, I think anyway, that's my own opinion. Um, and so in this, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't the animals who were necessarily taking care of her, that, that, that there was um, some companionship there and they did console her in, in her low moments, but they were like a nice support system, a sort of a therapy animal there for her. But she ultimately wanted to make sure that she was providing a good home for them. And so I wanted to make sure that she had a sense of responsibility there because in my own life, I can be very transparent and say I was sort of, you know, 
wheeling and dealing and doing anything I wanted to until I got a dog. And I was like, just like the structure of having that dog to make sure that I'm home at a certain time. And, you know, uh, I plan travel around this dog and um, it just gives me a sense of accountability and like ownership and responsibility that really helps structure the rest of my life. And so I think it's pretty important to, to realize that early on. So I wanted to include that too. I did like that. And I love the fact that you give Cinda a boar and a rattlesnake as, <laughs> as her competition partners. And I thought that was a great deal of fun. And you point out things that that make it cute. So each animal of the boar and the rattlesnake gets a little bit of their own personality and mm -hmm. things that they have to work together in. And that makes it a buddy book. It's something that you can aspire to having a buddy, maybe not a rattlesnake in real life, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> Your own kind of version of an exotic pet, you know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't shy away from saying I, I would, I definitely prefer drawing animals to people. Um, <laughs> really important for me to have a lot of animals um, in this book and to make sure that they had their own personality, that they weren't just sort of like hidden in the background or, um, you know, just scenery um, in the backdrop. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a moment where Cinda um, sort of compromises her ability to win this competition, this rodeo she's in, because she's saving some turtles that are crossing the road. Um, so just to make sure that we, to remind her, you know, what her priorities are, that she's really a, a caretaker for these critters that that uh, Ella notices at the end. Well, and there again, it's it's something of Cinda's personality that you bring out so eloquently in the fact that she really, really wants and needs to win, but mm -hmm. she also sees life and the humanity of life that, oh, right. I need to do this because this is really more important in this moment. Mm -hmm. It's a great teaching lesson, I think. So, yeah. Yes. Sorry, go so, ahead. That's, sorry. <laughs> um, so you come up with the story idea and the drawings are so whimsical and so fun and you give us backstories with your drawings. Which is easier? The writing or the drawing? Um, I would say that the drawing is easier because once we've like hammered out the manuscript and really, because we want to keep it very tight, we want it to flow a certain way, we want it to sound a certain way, um, we're very conscious of word count, where it's going to land on the page. And so once I know that, and that sort of, I work very well within a creative brief. So I look at the text as like a creative brief. It's like, you have to create this sort of feeling and this look and this sort of situation on the page. And once I know that, I'm like, it just sort of like materializes in my head more easily and fluidly than the manuscript does. Um, okay. um, because when you're writing it, you think, I, this is for me anyway, okay, I have to write a Cinderella story. Well, I mean, there's so many ways you could do that. Um, but once it's already written, like, okay, I know this world because I've sort of been envisioning it while I've been uh, writing this manuscript. So now it's, it's, it's kind of been at the back of my head. It's like marinating and now it's just going to come forward onto the page. Um, I would say more difficult than drawing like the line work and the sketches is figuring out the palette because it's a lot of work to, to find something that really works for the story and to find a way to execute that on every page. We're like, okay, well, if my main character is going to be wearing this, she can never be on a background that's this color and I want her accent color to be this and I don't want it to conflict it with this one, but I want to set her apart from the secondary character. So 
there's so many like formulas you need to go through um, as you're figuring out the palette. Um, and uh, so that's definitely more challenging than actually drawing the book. Um, but once you get over that, then you're like, okay, it's like second nature. You do like three or four spreads. It just gets easier and easier. Well, I love that. And I'm sorry about your creative distress, but it certainly does turn out well for the readers. <laughs> all artists need that. All artists need that sort of like, oh God, I was listening to um, a podcast with Mo Rocca um, and he was talking about, you know, there just is that moment where you're like, it is never going to get better. This is terrible. I don't <laughs> like what I'm doing. And then you have to keep pushing and pushing. And once you finally feel like, oh, it's never going to change, it does. And you get over that hump and then everything else is is wonderful. And then it's gravy, I think, at that point. Then I, it's like, I've, I have knocked this out of the park. I love exactly, it. Exactly. So the question I think that I'm sure every artist and author loves is... Uh, are you working on something new? <laughs> Why not put I, some more pressure on you? <laughs> yeah, I do. I have um, another book that's coming out that I didn't write. I did the illustrations for. Two other writers wrote it. It's called Dogtown. And um, it's a story about uh, a shelter that houses both living dogs and robot dogs. And uh, living dogs are a little bit wary of the robot dogs. Um, but uh, the main character uh, finds a way to have a connection with this robot as they both are sort of looking for their, their homes that they've, um, um, they've lost. Uh, so it's a very sweet book. It has really great personality and had such fun writing. It's middle grade. It's not a picture book. And it's all grayscale, which was like nice to stretch into doing something else. So that's oh, out nice. in September. Yeah. Okay, lovely. And I do want to uh, highlight or mention something that you just mentioned also is, so the colors that you come up with for both books uh, and the, the outfits that the main characters wear become so important to the loveliness of the stories mm -hmm. because you capture queer kids in a loving and wonderful way. And I just love that. I mean, I am obsessed with Mighty Red's uh, Riding Hood. So I really am looking for one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Wallace, do you have a website or social media you would like to share? I do. So my website is simple, wallacewest.com. Um, and Instagram is the only social media that I use. And that is GoWallaceWest as my handle. I love it. Once again, the book is Cinda Meets Ella. And it's by Wallace West. Wallace, thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you the greatest of success. Thank you so much. This has been a delight. Thank you. Hang on for me just a second. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.